In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Queen of heaven, rejoice. Alleluia. For he whom you did merit to bear. Alleluia. Is risen, as he said. Alleluia. Pray for us to God. Alleluia. Rejoice and be glad, O Virgin Mary. Alleluia. For the Lord has truly risen. Alleluia. The following is a reading from Father Albin Butler's Lives of the Saints. April 23rd. St. George. Martyr. St. George is honored in the Catholic Church as one of the most illustrious martyrs of Christ. The Greeks have long distinguished him by the title of the Great Martyr and keep his festival a holiday of obligation. There stood formerly in Constantinople five or six churches dedicated in his honor, the oldest of which was always said to have been built by Constantine the Great, who seems also to have been the founder of the Church of St. George which stood over his tomb in Palestine. Both these churches were certainly built under the first Christian emperors. In the middle of the sixth age, the emperor Justinian erected a new church in honor of the saint in Byzantis, in Lesser Armenia. The emperor Mauritius founded one in Constantinople. It is related in the life of St. Theodorus of Sicyon that he served God a long while in the chapel which bore the name of St. George had a particular devotion to this glorious martyr, and strongly recommended the same to Mauritius when he foretold him the empire. One of the churches of St. George in Constantinople called Manjanes, with a monastery adjoining, gave to the Hellespont the name of the arm of St. George. To this day is St. George honored as principal patron or titular saint by several eastern nations, particularly the Georgians. The Byzantine historians relate several battles to have been gained and other miracles wrought through his intercession. From frequent pilgrimages to his church and tomb in Palestine performed by those who visited the Holy Land, his veneration was much propagated over the West. St. Gregory of Tours mentions him as highly celebrated in France in the 6th century. St. Gregory the Great ordered an old church of St. George which had fallen to decay to be repaired. His office is found in the sacramentary of that pope and many others. St. Clotildis, wife of Clovis, the first Christian king of France, erected altars under his name, and the church of Chellis, built by her, was originally dedicated in his honor. The ancient life of Droctovius mentions that certain relics of St. George were placed in the church of St. Vincent, now called St. Gemarus in Paris, when it was first consecrated. Fortunatus of Poitiers wrote an epigram on a church of St. George in Mentz. The intercession of the saint was implored especially in battles and by warriors, as appears by several instances in the Byzantine history, and he is said to have been himself a great soldier. He is at this day the tutelar saint of the Republic of Genoa, and was by our ancestors in the same quality under our first Norman kings. The great national council held at Oxford in 1222, commanded his feast to be kept a holiday of the lesser rank throughout all England. Under his name, an ensign was instituted by our victorious King Edward III in 1330, the most noble order of knighthood in Europe, consisting of 25 knights besides the sovereign. Its establishment is dated 50 years before the Knights of St. Michael were instituted in France by Louis XI, 80 years before the Order of the Golden Fleece established 
by Philip the Good, Duke of Burgundy, and 190 before the Order of St. Andrew was set up in Scotland by James V. The Emperor Frederick IV instituted in 1470 an order of knights in honor of St. George, and an honorable military order in Venice bears his name. The extraordinary devotion of all of Christendom to this saint is an authentic proof how glorious his triumph and name have always been in the Church. Certain ancient heretics forged false acts of St. George, which the learned Pope Gelasius condemned in his famous Roman Council in 494. Calvin and the Centurateurs called him an imaginary saint, but their slander is confuted by more most authentic titles and monuments. Jeru, Reynolds, and Ehrhard blushed not to confound him with George the Arian, usurper of the See of Alexandria, the infamous persecutor of St. Athanasius and the Catholics, whom he endeavored to dragoon into Arianism by butchering great numbers, banishing their bishops, plundering the houses of orphans and widows, and outraging the nuns with the utmost barbarity, till the Gentiles, exasperated by his cruelties and scandalous behavior, massacred him under Julian. The stories of the combat of St. George with the magician Athanasius and the like trumpery came from the mints of the Arians, as Baronius takes notice, and we find them rejected by Pope Gelasius and the other Catholics who were too well acquainted with the Arian wolf, whose acts they condemned to confound him with this illustrious martyr of Christ. Though the forgeries of the heretics have been so blended with the truth in the history of this holy martyr that, as we have it, there is no means of separating the sterling from the counterfeit. See Dr. Halen's History of St. George, the testimonies of writers in every age from Gelasius I in 492 downwards concerning this holy martyr. All his acts relate that he suffered under Diocletian at Nicomedia. Joseph Esamani shows from the unanimous consent of all churches that he was crowned on the 23rd of April. According to the count given us by Metaphrastes, he was born in Cappadocia of noble Christian parents. After the death of his father, he went with his mother into Palestine, she being a native of that country, and having there a considerable estate, which fell to her son, George. He was strong and robust in body, and having embraced the profession of a soldier, was made a tribune, or colonel, in the army. By his courage and conduct, he was soon preferred to higher stations by the Emperor Diocletian. When that prince waged war against the Christian religion, St. George laid aside the marks of his dignity, threw up his commission and posts, and complained to the emperor himself of, the, of his severities and bloody edicts. He was immediately cast into prison and tried, first by promises and afterwards put to the question, and tortured with great cruelty. But nothing could shake his constancy. The next day he was led through the city and beheaded. Some think him to have been the same illustrious young man who tore down the edicts, that were first fixed up at Nicomedia, as Lactantius relates in his book on the death of the persecutors and Eusebius in his history. The reason why St. George has been regarded as the patron of military men is partly upon the score of his profession and partly upon the credit of a relation of his appearing to the Christian army in the Holy War before the Battle of Antioch. The success of this battle proving fortunate to the Christians under Godfrey of Bouillon made the name of St. George more famous in Europe and disposed the military men to implore, more particularly, his intercession. This devotion was confirmed, as it is said, by an apparition of St. George to our King Richard I in his exp expedition against the Saracens, which vision being declared to the troops was to them a great encouragement 
and they soon after defeated the enemy. St. George is usually painted on horseback and tilting at a dragon under his feet, but this representation is no more than an emblematical figure purporting that, by his faith and Christian fortitude, he conquered the devil, called the dragon in the apocalypse. Though many dishonor the profession of arms by a licentiousness of manners, yet to show us that perfect sanctity is attainable in all states, we find the names of more soldiers recorded in the martyrologies than almost of any other profession. Every true disciple of Christ must be a martyr in the disposition of his heart, and he must be ready to lose all and to suffer anything rather than to offend God. Every good Christian is also a martyr by the patience and courage with which he bears all trials. There is no virtue more necessary, nor of which the exercise ought to be more frequent than patience. In this mortal life we can have continually something to suffer from disappointments and affairs, from the severity of the seasons, from the injustice, caprice, peevishness, jealousy, or antipathy of others, and from ourselves in pains either of mind or body. Even our own weaknesses and faults are to us subjects of patience. And we have continually m many burdens, both of our own and others, to bear. It is only in patience that we are to possess our souls. This affords us the comfort of all our sufferings and maintains our souls in unshaken tranquility and peace. This is true greatness of mind and the virtue of heroic souls. But alas, every accident ruffles and disturbs us, and we are insupportable even to ourselves. What comfort should we find? What peace should we enjoy? What treasures of virtue should we heap up? What a harvest of merits should we reap if we had learned the true spirit of Christian patience? This is the martyrdom and the crown of every faithful disciple of Christ. Sancte Georgi, order pro nobis. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen.